the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 133, recorded Saturday, March 8th, 2014. Why Crestron? Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. Hello, I'm your host. With us this week is Mr. Todd Anthony Puma. Todd is from the Source Home Theater. Hello, sir. Hello, thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. Also with us is Mr. Josh Stackhouse. Josh is from AMS. Hello, sir. How you doing? Good. And last but not least, Ronnie and Spang. Ronnie is the, uh, the smartest AV programmer that I know. How are you, ma'am? Oh, that's uh, thank you for setting me up uh, with such a high. I, I got. I don't know if I can live up to that. No, you can't. She's in California. It's a little early there, so she. We have her nice, pretty uh, picture there, and no, no video yet. So, uh, that's all right. This week, uh, we have a number of different stories. First of all, all kinds of of chaos and and confusion and selling and getting rid of people and all kinds of craziness going on. Um, you could possibly uh, design the Infocom uh, 2014 show T-shirt and uh, get some free ones for you and your family. Uh, and also, Geffen has uh, has a new uh, has a new uh, new product that we're, we'll talk about the product, but also talk about maybe uh, a little bit more what it means and, and see what else we can put on the network. Uh, but first, uh, as as our buddy Ted Green puts it, commotion at Kaleidoscape. Just because I like alliteration. Uh, there's been some shakeup at Kaleidoscape. And, you know, basically there's some high-ranking folks that uh, that are no longer there. Uh, according to, to Ted, they were both uh, told that both Michael, Malcolm, and uh, Chena uh, Servesen, uh, two of the original founders of Kaleidoscape, uh, were tied up in meetings and not available in the afternoon uh, to speak to them. But uh, a number of people are talking about the shakeup at Kaleidoscape. First of all, uh, Josh, we'll go with you on this one. Uh, for end users or for for dealers, what does this ultimately mean? Is it is it eh, no big deal because it's it's a shakeup at the top, or is it a huge deal because it may, it may mean a, a shift in, um, in in the way uh, Kaleidoscape is going to work in the future? Well, first of all, I have to to say that uh, this is actually the first that I've heard of Kaleidoscape as a company because I'm, I'm still the rookie of the industry. Uh, you know, I'm the voice of the guy that's just started working in the industry. So I actually had to ask my boss who Kaleidoscape was. Um, but once he explained it to me and I kind of had an understanding of the company, uh, I started to think about it. And, you know, I have an IT background, so I'm kind of drawn from that. But generally when uh, top CEOs and top executives start to sh- kind of run around and, uh, and leave organizations, uh, it usually means that there's internal chaos and that there's differences of how things should be ran um, and that somewhere someone's not happy and they uh, usually want to go do their own thing. I mean, take a look at uh, Golden Ear, for example. Golden Ear is a great example of a company that was started because the people inside 
uh, weren't happy and they went on and did their own thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ronnie, is, does this mean, you know, a, a shift in the way Kaleidoscape is, is going to work? And, and if so, um, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't even think Kaleidoscape is going to know exactly how this is going to affect them. All, all that we know, see, I don't really know the people that left personally, so I can't comment on what they brought to the table. I don't know who's going to be replacing them personally, so I can't comment on their style of leadership either. And even if we did know the people personally, there's still the question of how are they going to react to this new situation. Um, Kaleidoscape has for years built an excellent server. It's, it's my favorite. I've said so unabashedly so in the past. Um, it's durable, reliable. And, you know, obviously something is changing and that could be good. It could be bad. I, I think it's too early to, to tell. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Puma, uh, where does this put you as, you know, um, you, you are our purveyor of high-end high uh, home theater systems. Where do you think this puts um, folks like you and, and other people who, who may, uh, may spec Kaleidoscape in the future? To be honest with you, I think this is an internal issue that shouldn't have gotten out to the public because mm -hmm. changes are being made, people are moving, it's honestly, it's just drama. It's something that I don't care about. Uh, the product is what I do care about. And if they, they have engineers there still, they still have people that are fighting in the trenches, which I think they matter the most. It's not always the VP or the uh, executives that always matter. It, it's the people who are in the trenches fighting the battle every day and figuring out solutions and speaking with integrators uh, like Eric, uh, for example. Um, it, it's there's been changes that happened there before. There's been powerhouses that left that company before. Did it make anything worse? Did it make anything better with the newer people coming in? I can't say, but you know what? They're still around. They're still moving forward, and I think they're going to be a staple in the industry for a long time. Good, good, good point. And, and yeah, that's the thing is, is Kaleidoscape's made some some really great inroads when it comes to. Um, uh, video on demand and, and video over the over uh, IP and the ability to, to, to stream and download um, Blu-ray uh, movies, honestly, uh, and and that capability is, is something that they've they fought tooth and nail for. So uh, another interesting split, I guess. Uh, eight years after acquiring Lake Forest, California-based Audio Visions, Best Buy has parted ways with the high-end custom organization firm. Uh, audio visions uh, this is from our friends over at CE Pro <laughs> first thing I, I thought of when I when I saw this is Best Buy has an integration firm interesting uh, and, and it's something I knew in the back of my head uh, but I honestly had forgotten the fact that that they had had done this I Ronnie is is this okay first of all why are they separating? I mean, d does Best Buy know something that maybe the rest of us don't? That uh, you know, are they are they maybe cutting some of the fat and saying, you know, we don't want to be in the integration firm uh, uh, anymore, or uh, because they, they see something that maybe the rest of us don't? Or are they just you know uh, cutting ties with something that doesn't quite make sense for their for their business? I think it's more the latter because Best Buy isn't uh, a high end dealer and. I think this was an attempt by them to become more appealing to a higher-end client, but the higher-end is a smaller niche. 
and it needs more of a custom solution. It doesn't really fit a box seal. We can't fit custom high-end into a box. And I know that you know Best Buy also gained a lot of traction with the middle class because of the expertise that AudioVisions brought to them through the Magnolia Home Theater uh, suggestions that I think it was actually a good idea. Um, a lot of what Best Buy needed to do was find a way to keep people from going to the showrooms and then buying online at the lowest price. And the way to do that is to make price less of an issue than quality support and service. So I think Best Buy's choice of going with an integration was probably wise. And Magnolia does give them an entry point into integration. So that's probably where it made sense. I think where they discontinued it, um, and again, this is speculation, mm -hmm. but I never really saw high-end custom fitting box sale. Um, custom, really, I mean, I come from the old school, well, I wouldn't say old school because I only worked at Rankus Heinz 10 years ago, but Rankus Heinz custom builds speakers to order. My idea of high-end isn't to buy an off-the-shelf product. It's to go to a site, you know, do a quality site survey, ease model the site, and custom build a solution that's going to fit that site exactly what it needs. And that's not going to work picking products up off the shelf, regardless of how good those products may be. And so I think that that did give Best Buy a step into the into the mid-range of, of uh, you know, home theater and residential, and even somewhat commercial. Uh, they got some respect and some credibility. Yeah. Uh, AudioVision seems to think they benefited immensely. So it was a win-win, and, you know, I think maybe now it might not be anymore. That's a good point, the fact that, you know, maybe it, it just doesn't fit either company's model anymore. Uh, Josh, is this, you know, what is this going to affect uh, AudioVisions, and, and if so, what way? Um, well, I mean, the way I view this is um, uh, having, before I worked for AMS, I worked for the now going out of business American Television, which is in several different states here in the Midwest. And they competed directly with Best Buy. And, um, and so Best Buy's business model has always been based on the low price. They compete with Walmart. They compete with Amazon. They do price matching. And, uh, you know, I work now for a company that's a custom integrator. And, you know, we choose to try as much as possible to pick products that have map pricing. Because when it comes to custom integration, the map pricing protects your bottom line. I see Todd's nodding up and down there on the other end. I mean, mm -hmm. map pricing is our best friend because we don't want to sell products that someone can go online and, and basically snipe us on. Uh, we don't do that. What we choose to sell is stuff that has good margins on it that will make us money, that will be a good value for the customer, uh, that will meet their budget, that will be rock-solid product that will last. And Best Buy doesn't sell that that kind of product. But I can't say that I'm even surprised by this move because the word on the street is that Best Buy is actually hurting financially. It's been for years. And I think Best Buy could eventually go under. And if anything, you know, the this is a good move. Um, uh, and, and I think uh, the company that was behind Magnolia will be better off having 
learned from Best Buy about metrics and how to retail their products and stuff like that. I hope that they come back out and they start popping up uh, as brick and mortar stores across the country and uh, kind of give a public face to the, the AV integration industry that, that people can then rely upon. Todd, he, Josh brings up a really good point, and that's map pricing and, and the ability to go online and, and find certain products. There are certain things, mm-hmm. and, and we'll talk about. We, they restaurant did a, a piece actually on on your your house, the integration you did at your house. We'll do that in a second. But there are companies out there like Crestron, like Biamp, uh, that you can't go online and get list price. Right, you can't find that necessarily online anywhere. So when you do um, a quote, a bid, nobody's going to take your quote and. and Try to go to Amazon or try to go to B and H or try you know someplace else like that. How do you make? Is that does that go into your decision when you decide to partner with with certain companies? Do you look at the fact that you know what nobody can really go out and, and price shop, um, you know, a Crestron TSW or you know a, a Biamp to Sarah, um, whereas if you're selling Sony Blu-rays or you're selling uh, Sonos, or you're selling something else like that, they can actually go out and, and find this stuff elsewhere and say, well, you know, I, I can find this this projector for X amount of dollars. Does that go into your decision-making well, process when you, when you decide who to partner with? Well, absolutely. You know, our business doesn't go by what everybody else is selling. It's we go by what our customers are looking for. Uh, as a custom integration business, you know, I came from Best Buy. Actually, the eight years ago when this company started with them is when I left and started my own business. Oh, wow. So I've seen a lot of those transitions happen and what Best Buy was looking for with Magnolia. Now, with that being said, I also learned that whatever Best Buy is offering and big box stores like Circuit City at the time, uh, PC Richards, is what I don't want to do. Um, I want to do everything opposite from what they were doing. Um, again, I did learn a lot from them. I learned a lot about customer service. I made a lot of my mistakes there. So when I started my business, uh, those mistakes weren't being made as much. Um, and when I was picking product lines, I picked product lines that I kind of felt cared about my company and cared about the industry. Um, uh, so price protected products is important to my company and myself, obviously, because we feel that they're putting extra effort into protecting the line, picking the right integrators or installation companies to sell their products, trainings. Um, they're not just going out there trying to get the mass market. They're allowing us to make those moves. They're allowing us to basically make the decision if their company is going to survive. Um, and it feels like you're being taken care of. Um, Now, with that being said, I want to take care of them back. Um, I want to help them as much as I can. And those companies also seem to care about you a little more. It's not about what you're bringing in. It's actually what you – it's kind of like what you – how can I put this? Like Crestron, we'll use an example. They give every resource to me possible, no matter if I'm bringing in – a million dollars a year or if I'm bringing in $25,000 a year, they're taking care of me equally. Just like my company, we have the neighbor policy. 
every customer gets the same price no matter who you are or what you have how, how long you have worked with us yeah. Crestron's doing the same thing and they're they're making sure that every integrator has the tools in order to make them successful no matter what position you are that that's what comes with those price protecting products it comes with more than just here Sonos for example this is a topic I love Sonos doesn't care who you are they're gonna take care of the best buys and all the bigger uh, big box stores versus take care of me we're gonna be treated just like a number I don't want to be a number I want to be a little bit more than that well yeah and that's, I, go ahead I, Josh. if I just want to step up though and, and defend Sonos because we sell a ton of Sonos and Sonos has by far some of the best customer support whether you're a customer or a dealer in the industry I mean they have an entire team that is literally dedicated to nothing but helping people fix the issues regarding firewalls of antivirus software and using your Sonos system their customer support is on point and they really know how to to be friendly and they're they're technically knowledgeable um, so I just I just want to make sure that you know I want to add to what Todd was saying because I know he probably feels the same way. I think he was just making another point about Sonos and just kind of wanted to interject, inject that. Yeah, and that's the thing. No, I, Go ahead. I, I agree. So obviously, Sonos is doing a lot of things right to get where they are. Um, you know, and customer service to me is everything. I did hear that support question and obviously they're doing an excellent job and uh, I didn't mean it as a, a personal attack just using kind of as an example that when customers are moving in a direction like that and customers are kind of in control of where they could get it and telling you how to run your business then a professional business is not necessarily needed uh, Sonos product is kind of like alright if I want to go to Target I go to Target I want to come to you know an integration company I'll, I'll do that as well um, Sonos I kind of feel is, is not in our corner and again it's it's my personal feeling it doesn't have to radiate with everybody um, with Crestron and other brands like Crestron kinda of feel like they are backing us a little bit more and they understand where we're coming from and in the long run if we're with them or not with them I think Crestron kinda of wants to keep you doing business with them while Sonos be like I'm done I'm not working with you anymore do you really think they're gonna give you a call and say hey how are you doing listen why did you stop working with us I personally don't think they would do that unless you were bringing in like astronomical numbers personally. And, and, and again, I, I could be wrong. No, I agree with you, and I see what you're saying because uh, the company I work for, we're a Sonance dealer, and Sonance is a great example of a company that goes out of their way to make sure that as an integrator, that they're basically listening to you, supporting you, and they're making they make their products easy to sell. They provide you materials that make it easy to select the right choice for your customer. They give you a good option set. They make practical engineering decisions that don't break the customer's wallet and they make rock solid products that they support really well when something does go wrong which isn't that often so I, I get where you're coming from well and my other point was the fact that that something that I've discovered because I'm newly into the integration side I came from from education about a month or so ago and something I never really thought of as being a technology manager was there are a number of companies out there that you cannot find um, just any any Joe Smo you know website, whether it's again Amazon or, or B and H, nothing against those those companies. I, I, I at least Amazon, I, I buy an awful lot of stuff from. Um, but you can't price shop certain products, right? I mean, you you can't go on 
Amazon and get a, a Pro 3, a Crestron Pro 3, which is their, which is their, their big Mamma Jamma processor. Um, you, can, you can find, you know, on eBay and stuff like that in some reseller places, but you can't buy a brand new one and price shop certain products. And I think that's some of what I was saying is, is cups, company, companies like that, like um, uh, Biamp, who, again, you can't find list price. Uh, I, I know I've talked with some folks uh, from uh, microphone companies who, you know, their dealers will find uh, on Amazon again um, products that are way below list price, way below dealer price, and, and I'm, you're not really sure how these how these guys get a hold of this, but they'll go so far as as to buy out the entire stock of of somebody who is who is underselling um, who's underselling uh, a product, you know, um, just to make sure that their dealers are taken care of. Uh, and I think companies like that are important to maintain a relationship with because they are. They're taking care of the dealer and, by extension, taking care of the end user as well. Well, I think the, the, what it boils down to is that most of the companies that sell their products with map pricing, they understand that they don't want their product to be in the hands of the wrong customer because there is a wrong customer for a product. They want dealers who are knowledgeable about AV who are passionate, who have the experience and the knowledge to know whether or not their particular product is the right selection for them because they don't want to trash their brand. Yeah. Good products can be a bad choice for a customer if it's not the right fit for their needs. And I think that's what it boils down to with map pricing is that essentially, in some cases it's not just map pricing. In some cases, some companies don't sell to anything but dealers. They have to be certified dealers. Yeah. And I'm a fan of that because it protects the consumer as well as our, as our, as our pocketbooks. Yeah, right. No distribution. Like those companies also that are protected lines, they don't go through distribution. They don't go through, um, you know, the Avids or ADIs or uh, Wave Electronics because a lot of that means they're going to have everyone's going to be able to have their hands on it. Now that is going to bring people to sell it on Amazon or sell it on uh, another outlet uh, and get it out there to the mass public. And like Josh was saying, put it in the wrong hands. Uh, again, even dealers sometimes could be the wrong hands. And yeah, what what we are as an integration business, right, is professionals, and that's what we stand upon. Is when a customer comes to me, and they hire us, they're looking for my opinion and my knowledge to build a system. Now, customers can give suggestions on what they want, absolutely, because we want to know what they want. But when they start telling me as the integrator what to do and what products to put in and how to put it in I you can't do that <laughs> if without the knowledge yeah. you know it, it's 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 they're taking control and a lot of times is when a customer takes control right it's usually because there are the product lines that aren't protected because they know about it yes. now with Crestron's AMX and companies like that customers have no idea what it could do and that's why they have us come in and we're able to suggest to them what would fit their needs based on their lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, speaking of, of product lines that customers know, Sony is in the news again, and this goes back to our buddy uh, Ted Green and, and strategy.com. Sony cuts a third of their U.S. staff and uh, closes 20 stores. I, I almost didn't do this story, and I'll tell you why. It feels like almost every week 
we're doing a Sony is doing this or, or cutting back that or rearranging this story. Um, and so here's the first question, and Josh, we'll start with you on this. Are we are we are we watching you know um, something that a strategic move by Sony, and this is something good for them to do, or are we watching the the slow death of of a dinosaur here? I mean, what's what's going on with Sony? Well, I guess the first thing that comes to my mind is that we are, we we work in a, in a capitalist society. There's nothing wrong with capitalism, mm. right? I guess I'm. My feelings are. I don't think there's anything wrong with a business, even if that business is an international corporation, making strategic decisions to let people go in order to keep the business afloat. See, if Sony was a company that was like, let's just say they were as small as like Sonos or Control Four, if they were a smaller company with only say like twenty something, thirty, forty, fifty people. And someone made a decision that we got to let like seven people go in order to meet the budgets for this year or something like that. Most people wouldn't blink an eye. They'd be like, "Oh, well, they're just a small business, so this is you know just what the way business is ran." But all of a sudden, when you're an international corporation and you do that, then all of a sudden people are like, "Oh, well, you can't do that because you're so critical to the economy or you're so dependent upon." Well, but, I don't but agree let's with be that. but let's be fair here. Sonos hasn't been around for fifty, you know, fifty, you know, forty, fifty plus years, and hasn't been integral. In the CEA market, in the CS market. Well, yeah, but just because you've been around for 50 years doesn't mean that you're always going to be king of the product lines. That's true. There's going to be newcomers that are going to challenge you. There's going to be people that want to make. Look at Oppo. Oppo is a great example. Sony was the Blu-ray player company. They invented it. They brought it to the market. They have all the patents for it. That doesn't mean they're the best anymore. I'd put an. I, I not the pause here. We are a Sony dealer, so if anyone from Sony is listening, this opinion is my own, not reflective of my employer. <laughs> However, I would put an Oppo in my house any day of the week over a Sony because it's more robust and it has more features and some of the bit rates are better and everything else that goes along with the, the geek speak. So that doesn't necessarily mean that just because Sony's been around for 50 years that they're going to be king and they always should be king. I mean, no, but I think that's where the story is. That's the, for, again, my, my opinion, that's where the story is the fact that they have been around for forever. And it feels like, I mean, a, a third is still a large amount. I mean, it, whether it's, whether it's uh, you know, let's say you have 60 employees and you cut 20, it's still a third. That's still a large amount. Well, okay, so let me change gears and get to that point. Okay. Get, let me come off the soapbox. Um, Yes, that's a significant amount of, of, of employees to let go. But let's look at what happened to Virgin. Virgin Records had the Virgin Mega Record Stores forever. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I lived in Chicago, I will I loved going to the Virgin Mega Record Store uh, on Michigan Avenue because it was so much fun. It was an experience. But uh, you know, in the age of instant downloads and music, people just went online and they bought the product. What this article is about is about Sony's Sony stores. They're they're closing 21 of their 30. U.S. Sony stores, and, and this is not like it's a big, big surprise. Retail stores are closing all the time. Yeah. Retail electronic stores just can't compete with the internet anymore. That's why Circuit City went out of business. I mean, is it really news, or is it just sort of like it's like you know, is it link bait? You know. <laughs> no, no, no. That, that, that might be too. So. Um, what do you think, Todd? I mean. <laughs> It, this is a hard topic that, you know, what it's going on right now is like you said, I agree with you with 
making moves and listen taking a backing out of a, a certain part of their business is not a wrong decision. Uh, they're gonna. I think that they're gonna be able to invest more money into what is working for them and making those products better. Um, instead of you know wasting money on something that isn't really doing that well for them and constantly trying to get it to work. Um, uh, again, it's just. It, I think it's a good decision on their part. Unfortunately, jobs being lost um, is is always a shame. But again. I think that they're going to be growing in those other areas like the 4K televisions, you know, uh, and whatever other uh, parts they're offering. I don't even know anymore. I don't really yeah. follow Sony that much, to be honest with you, and it's a shame. Well, I think that, and I think that that's, that's, that's also part of the bigger story is that, is that guys like you and, and, you know, Josh is a dealer, but, but you know, um, other integrators have gone to other, uh, other places and, and just aren't paying attention to Sony. Ronnie? Uh, where where is Sony going with this? I mean, are we are, are they going to be okay, or are we just watching the demise? Well, actually, to say is Sony going to be okay? I mean, this is only affecting their consumer retail chain. Sony has huge divisions. For example, motion pictures, mm -hmm. broadcast cameras, broadcast decks. Their security cameras and their video cameras are some of the best in the world, and that's a booming business. CCTV is growing in leaps and bounds, and Sony's leading that. So maybe they're taking some of their focus off on a low-margin competitive field in consumer and moving it to areas where they are really kicking butt and taking names. I mean, when you compare Sony CCTV cameras to Access and Pelco and some of the other players, Sony is one of the best. Um, when you compare Sony's lenses to Panasonic and, and Arri, um, you know, Polycom, in fact, I believe Polycom may be uh, sourcing their lenses from Sony. I've heard that, don't know for sure, but Sony is a huge player in imaging from consumer-grade cameras and camcorders all the way to broadcast, you know, uh, DV cams. Yeah. So uh, their Pro Series DVD players and, and beta decks were, you know, have always been uh, one of the staples in, in professional uh, broadcast studios. So to say is Sony going under is, to me, not looking at the big picture of Sony. Maybe their motion pictures are down this year. You know, maybe consumer, you know, they need to, they've gotten too big in consumer. Maybe they need to focus in some areas and not others. Um, I've been less enamored with their displays of late. I, I'm tending to prefer the Sharp product for video wall uh, tiling. I like the NEC product, you know, where 10 years ago I really liked Sony displays. And, and as Joshua pointed out, the uh, the Blu-ray Sony isn't leading there anymore either. Oppo has taken that over. But in other areas, I see Sony grabbing more of the lead. So they're just focusing on what's working. They've done this before. Um, you know, we all thought, oh my gosh, Sony's PlayStation. You know, it was the demise of Sony because the Xbox was better. And you know, they just made that less of a focus and moved their focus somewhere else. Yeah, but if you listen to some uh, to some gamers. This latest generation, the PlayStation has it over over the Xbox One now. So, not not to get into a gaming Sony guy right here. Just, <laughs> just saying, so... when it comes to gaming, it's all about the PlayStation. Um, <clears throat> see, and I'm I'm an I know I love guy. the Sony PlayStation Four. See, and I I'm, I'm I still have an, an original Xbox. I, I I tend not to buy gaming systems the first year or two once they're out. So 
I'll let you two, <laughs> you know, beta <laughs> test it for me and, and let me know in a year or so. Uh, all right, let's talk about uh, a couple of products that, you know, some, maybe some good news here. Uh, Geffen is showcasing a new connectivity solutions at ProLight and Sound. It's a new KVM switch. And I know all of you are excited because it's a KVM switch. Yay! Uh, don't get too excited. Uh, <laughs> but here's the thing. Uh, and, and the reason I brought this up, and um, Ronnie, we'll start with you on this, because in the article, it doesn't mention AVB or HD-based. And I, let me back up a bit. It's an IP-based KVM switch, right? Uh, so it's going over the network. And uh, what what I found fascinating about this is it doesn't mention HD-based T or it doesn't mention AVB in it. So it's possible that Geffen is is doing their own proprietary thing. And KVMs aren't sexy, right? It's it's not, you know, HD 1080p or, or, or 4K video over a single piece of Cat5 or over the network. I get that. <laughs> But it, it's 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 an interesting step in another piece of equipment on the network, another piece of equipment that's going through switches. Uh, so the question is is actually for all three of you, and, and Ronnie, like I said, we'll start with you on this. What else do we see going on the network? Uh, and maybe the better question is what can what don't we see? Maybe. Uh, so what? Like, I guess we'll just ask like this, this: What what do you think we're going to see on the network uh, that maybe isn't there uh, in the next year or two? Um, everything, <laughs> and by everything I mean irrigation. Uh, you know. Did you CCTV. say irrigation? Yes. <laughs> we we want everything on the network. You can already do control of irrigation through a Crestron system, but companies like Hunter are going to say, "Hey, we want our stuff to be able to be controlled via IP and command instead of only being able to be controlled by relays, motor control, shade controls, um, intercom systems. Everything is going to go IP." And that is what is going to make it more difficult for Crestron and AMX to stay relevant. I am a Crestron programmer. I do I do dabble on AMX. I added it. I'm not great at it, but you know I see where my trade is getting long in the tooth. The wave is is heading towards shore. I see the shore. It's a ways off, but it's coming. And what's going to bring that is everything going IP. Shade controls, drape controls, motor controls, lifts, uh, fireplace controls, everything is starting to get a net card because it's cheap and it makes sense. So I'm excited that Yuffin is, is doing KVMs, not so much because it's IP-based, but because I'd like an alternative to Zantac and Kramer and some of these low-end things. I've always said Extron should do KVMs because I want something bulletproof. You know, Aiton and some of these other low-end IT companies. I want good quality products, and I know Geffen will bring that. Yeah. So I wish Geffen would do something a little bit more conventional first. But, you know, I'm eager to see where they go with this. Um, but, yeah, I think everything is going to go IP. That's that's just the way it's headed. Even lamps. We're going to have IP-based lamps so that we can control them from an iPad. So so no more clapper. It'll, be, <laughs> it'll all be on the iPad. Why not? Uh, yeah, well, absolutely. Uh, Josh, you're 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 not only an AV guy, but you're, you're an old, old IT guy. Old, good lord, you're like hmm. ten. Um, <laughs> oh, okay, uh, sure, whatever, Grandpa. Uh, that's what hmm. I feel like. Um, wh where are we going with this? Like, like Ronnie said, is it pretty much going to be everything on the network? Um, well, what you're seeing is the convergence of the IT world starting to take shape in in the form of hardware in our side of the industry. Um, the reason I say that is because I'm a bit, I love KVM switches. You're like, KVM switches aren't sexy. And I'm like, 
this is badass. Uh, <laughs> because, I, well, no, you got to stop and think about this, Tim. IT and, IT and AV are merging so much that I honestly, I would not be surprised if in the future there was a certification that was literally ITAV all in one cluster, meaning that you knew a huge amount about IT and networking and AV. Um, I'm sure mean, somebody somewhere is working on it. Uh, probably. Um, the, but the thing is, is that um, this is a bigger deal than people think it is. Because if you look at, uh, what is it, Blue Bolt, Todd? Blue Bolt makes like the IP-based controlled power systems, right? So you, you imagine this. Yes, I you have it. A, you have a KVM, a KVM like piece like this in Geffen, okay? You've got a very elaborate rack in a client's home, like someone like Todd would work with. And there's somebody who may has a, th a $3 million home automation system that includes everything under the sun. Okay, so you have a client that you did an installation for in Los Angeles, but Todd lives in like New Jersey. Why will Todd fly out there to do support when if he has a KVM switch and he's got uh, the, the proper network monitoring equipment and VPN stuff set up and Blue Bolt power in that rack, he can go inside of that rack without ever physically putting boots on the ground or wheels on the ground. So a KVM switch is a bigger deal than you think. It gives you remote access to to large installations without having hmm. to send people out to do support. Okay, yeah, I did. I didn't. You're right. I didn't think of that. So that's a, that's a good point. Todd is is good is point. Josh Josh right here? Is this you know a, a bigger deal uh, than I think? And also, you know, what else are we going to see on the network? I actually just opened my eyes to that quite to this KVM switch. Um, that's a, actually a great solution. Um, yes, with the Blue Bolt, it's been great for us, uh, and obviously with Crestron as well to reduce truck rolls uh, that go to customers' homes, uh, remotely uh, rebooting the system or even monitoring the IP addresses uh, remotely to find out what's online and what's offline has been a great success for us. Uh, also, it's been uh, something that we find out before the customer finds out so we could fix it before it becomes a problem. Um, with this product, uh, you know, I'm waiting to see. I'll definitely try it out. Uh, but with the network, yeah, everything is going on the network. That's why I've been putting a lot of time into learning networking and picking the right network products that fit our, you know, industry. Um, like recently, just trying, recently actually just uh, spending some time trying to learn uh, and work with Access Networks because we heard they're the muscle of uh, the AV world and they know a lot about our products. Um, originally, I was working like anybody. We started off with just basics, Apple Airport Extremes and Apple products. Then I learned, uh-uh, that doesn't work well <laughs> for our systems. But, uh, you know, it's great to install. It's fun. It's easy. But handshaking issues are a problem with uh, iOS devices. And from that, I've learned, again, it's like starting business all over again. I'm, I'm making the mistakes, and I was learning, and I started buying all new products for my personal home and testing it out. And little by little, you realize that networking is 50% of our business at this point, uh, at least my business with the products I'm using. And, you know, it's going to stay and it's just going to get bigger and bigger. And there's going to be more going through our network. And we have to sit there and figure out ways to make it work and products to, you know, offer uh, networking-wise to make this happen and keep something robust as, you know, what's happening in this industry. Yeah. Spe speaking of your home, one of the stories we're doing this week, uh, it actually has to do with, with Todd's house. And uh, it was a very nice piece. Oh. Um, go ahead. That one's, that one, 
that one's not my home. That's actually we did two case studies. Okay. My home is the one coming with residential systems. This okay. project was a project we did for a client in New York City. So that if they bumped in back and forth with each other, since both go. of them were happening at the same time. Thank you. Go ahead. Well, I want to let you introduce the article first, but I've been dying to ask Todd a question. So if you would, Tim, please. Sure. Shoot. Uh, well, no, I'll let you introduce the article first oh, okay. to our yeah. listeners. Well, we're going to talk, we're going to talk about uh, Todd's uh, – they, they redid Todd's house and, and worked with uh, a good a good friend of all of ours, uh, Rich Fregosa. Um, and uh, according to Rich, I think he said he got a half an hour sleep a night. Uh, but but kind of walk me through the process, Todd, um, and how this all came about because because Questron did a case study. Um, people have written articles, like I said, Rich, uh, who is uh, a friend of all of ours. Um, he posted online um, some of the pictures of the interface, which I, I sent him a message and said, "I'm just I'm less than worthy to even, to even be in the same room with any of y'all." Uh, so how did this all come about with, with the, the, the case study and everything else? Uh, well, we're speaking about my home at this point. Yes, sir. Yes. Case studies with them, yes. like I said. Okay. Well, how it all started is about uh, a year and a half ago, um, Rich spoke with me about Crestron, and he said to me, he basically sold me on Crestron and offering it um, solely as a, as a product for my business and my model. Um, so it started, we were building a new home. Uh, when I was building this home, I was figuring out what products to put in it. And from there, Rich said, crush run all the way. He said to me, we'll get the programming in there. Let's start off. No problem. We started off with one system, very light system, an MC3, 4x100, uh, and no video switching, just a TSW, an iPad, and iPhone control. From there, I got more educated in uh, working with Crestron, tested it out, started selling it, and I realized that we need to sell bigger and better products uh, through the Crestron line. From there, uh, Rich basically said, this is what we need, um, you know, this is what we should do, and we basically went back and forth, and I said, you know what, let's tear this whole rack out, let's do it again. A year on the anniversary, when we did the original install, Rich and I, we noticed that we just redid the whole rack. Now, this is a huge investment for me. Because we had to do, I have about 16 zones of audio. Holy cow. Okay, God, so dude. it's, yeah, two floors. We're talking about running uh, a DM 8x8, uh, eight TVs, um, and eight uh, sources. Now going upstairs to another DM, uh, a video switch, actually. And the system is extremely robust and it takes a lot of time. Lighting control all through the house. And again, it grew little by little, um, the lighting. Then we had uh, HVAC, the new Yale locks, um, and what else is the shading. So we had to get all this done within probably a week and a half to two weeks. Now, with that product being bought, I was speaking just with one of the marketing people, uh, Joyce mm -hmm. and Delia, because uh, I was doing a review on the locks. And they said, hey, would could we uh, actually come to your home and uh, film and take photos? I said, absolutely, that'd be great. Now the pressure's on. Now in my own home, I got to do everything perfect. I have to make the rack behind it look perfect, which I never like to do in my own home because I'm always tearing it apart and re-putting it together. Yeah. Um, and all this started. So Rich, of course, I'm anal. Uh, I have extreme OCD. And we went through the GUI design. Now he had his own GUI um, developed that he was comfortable with. 
Uh, I basically went to him and said, we're going to trash that. Uh, he, he agreed. He's like, it's yours. Whatever you want, we'll make it happen. <laughs> now, with him saying that, he didn't realize how crazy I am and how many hours he would be working to develop a brand new design from top to bottom. Um, so he spent endless hours on going through every little design aspect from the homepage uh, to when you're entering into the sources, how the each GUI is going to look in the resolution, backgrounds, um, and obviously I'm not going to bother him with control, how things are going to control. Uh, Rich is an expert on that and switching and programming and all that ends. And I didn't even listen. Whatever he wanted to do, he did that. Yeah. Uh, but with all the design aspects, he was up. And yeah, th 30 minutes of sleep sounds like a little bit too much sleep he had. Probably about <laughs> <laughs> within 15 minutes of, it, of sleep a day. It, it was honestly a, a, a very stressful project for the both of us with the timeline we were allotted uh, because my basement did flood. Oh. Um, with, uh, yeah, some pump stopped working and all the product that was down there was in the rack and had to be taken out and then reinstalled again. Uh, so on his end and my end, that made it very stressful because we weren't able to test the product um, throughout. And once we reinstalled the product, that's where it came down to three days. We had three days, right, from a fully built rack, pretty much, to test the system out and get it implemented uh, with the program and get the system fully tested uh, for Crestron to come. Now, their standards are extremely high, and they've seen the best systems and the best homes. So while that's happening, where I'm remodeling the house, I'm buying, painting, um, putting LED lights in, physical light fixtures, doing, we're going nuts in this house to do everything for them to come because, to be honest, I was nervous. I, I, I'm, I, my home, I felt, wasn't like the homes they've seen. And yeah. I had to make it kind of halfway or a, a, a crumb like uh, what Crestron standard was, you know, for the aesthetic of a home and the products. <clears throat> now, with everything happening, the, uh, at the end result, we got everything working literally four or five hours before Crestron oh, even wow. showed up. Everything worked beautifully. Everything looked Perfect, and again, that's what I feel on the GUI design, and uh, it might be different for someone else's taste. But when the Crestron came, and this is actually a quote from the art director of Crestron, he says he has never seen a GUI design as pretty as the one that Rich and myself developed uh, during those few days, which to me was the biggest compliment I probably ever received uh, since I started my business. And I'm sure to Rich, it was huge. Well, yeah, like I said, I, I saw pictures of it on, on, on Facebook and, and it was one of those, I'm not worthy to even be anywhere near y'all. So uh, it was very nice. Uh, Mr., uh, Mr. Josh, go ahead and ask your question now. Well, first of all, I'd say two things. One, uh, absolutely, congratulations, Todd. It's, it's, a, really, it's a really beautiful honor uh, you know, to be a part of the industry and to then be a part of the, the marketing aspect of the industry, that it's your home. So I'm happy, really happy for you. Um, Thank which, you. Which uh, wants to stand alone, which makes me feel even like a little bit more of a butthole of <laughs> what I'm about to say. And sure. I, feel, I, feel, I just wanted to congratulate you first. Um, and I feel like I'm about to commit some 
unforgivable act of blasphemy when it comes to control and automation in the industry because I'm sitting here before you and I know Tim's a fan of Crestron because God knows if you've listened to AV Week once and any given week you've heard the word Crestron come out of his mouth. Sometimes bad things. And uh, and Ronnie, well, you're a Crestron programmer, so I, I feel like I'm almost like David trying to take on Goliath here, but why? Why Crestron? It's Crestron, Crestron, Crestron. Now, I understand that I'm a rookie in the industry, but when I got involved, I went to school. They taught us some RTI and Control 4, and I got quickly informed that part of the reason why was that Crestron is rock solid. It's very, very, very customizable on the GUI, and it's got two-way feedback. Now, those are the two things that I was taught of primarily what keeps people in the realm of Crestron. But Crestron, to me, and I saw, I'm sorry, Andy, because essentially the statement I'm about to make is saying that you're out of a job, but the Crestron systems require very specialized programming, and I don't understand why, because with the line of sensor arrays that URC, uh, Universal Remote Control, the, the URC like MRX10 is a, is, is a tenth of the cost of probably some of the, the entry-level stuff that, that Crestron <clears throat> does. If you put all the 700, over 700 modules that URC has had developed with extra vegetables, there's an amazing number of things that you can control. And, 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 of course, URC works with all the Lutron controls, uh, you know. And then now that URC is talking about Flex, about this just as customizable GUI language that's going to be easier to understand than a Crestron platform, I don't understand why everyone is still elevating Crestron to be like the end-all, be-all godfather of home automation when there's platforms out there. And there's 10 others that you can go to Cedia and see on any given day of the show that arguably can do a lot of what Crestron can do, probably 90%. And I imagine that the answer I'm going to get is that the 10% is what really matters. But I, I just mm. see that uh, Crestron is not going to be quite the powerhouse that they are now uh, compared to an industry that doesn't have any competition. I, I guess maybe it's not that they're not going to be as good. It's just that they're going to have some serious competition. And there's other platforms out there that are more affordable by far that can do probably 90 95% of what they can do. As the senior customer, well, person, I think I should be the one to handle that. I, I was going to I was gonna sin, sin, start with you, Ronnie, but go ahead. <laughs> um, first of all, when you one of the things you mentioned about URC, which I've dabbled in a little bit, they have 700 modules. And, and Crestron's got, you know, many modules too. But one of the key differences here is that with companies like Extron and URC, you have to use their modules. With companies like Crestron and AMX, you can create your own modules, you can use their modules, and with Crestron, you can modify Crestron's modules because they're not locked down. Yeah. Crestron, why I like Crestron more than AMX, AMX speaks a C++-ish language in Java. Crestron speaks a C++-ish language and, and Visual Basic, plus it has its own proprietary language called Simple, and it's got a wizard that's similar to URC. And I can import and export from any platform to any other. And that's just the control. Crestron has some key things in what's called digital media. And what makes mm -hmm. digital media the ultimate solution is it's a great big card cage. And this isn't a new concept. It was started with Grass Valley years and years ago where you have a card cage and you pick the input card you want and the output card you want. And if your input card becomes obsolete, you take it out and put in the cool one that's new and current. And that is huge. Plus, 
programming Crestron switchers is uber easy. And this is going to help put me out of a job real fast. But if you <laughs> want to send input whatever to an output, you just tell the output. You just send it the number. That's it. If I want to send input 5 to output 7, I just send a 5 to output 7, and it does it. Yeah. It's super quick, huh. super easy, super powerful. And it enables me to do things. There's things I can do in a Crestron system that I cannot do in an AMX system. And I, I get into this a lot. For example, some Crestron processors allow multiple LANs for the processor. The processor can reside on multiple networks at the same time. I used a system like that back in 2007 to simultaneously detect whether Chevron or Rolly Parsons was using their video conference system, automatically detect which system was using it, and then automatically switch their video conference system to the correct network. Automatically, the user didn't have to do anything. There's no way to do that with URC control for and that's just one of countless real-world examples that I've run into where I say, you know what, I can do something better with Crestron than I can with anything else, and that is what justifies the price difference right there. Yeah. Well, well, Ronnie, um, I'm going to piggyback on what you said um, just because I feel like I could uh, answer for Joshua uh, from experience on uh, the Crestron uh, why I picked that product. And what you have said is, absolutely the reason why I stay with it and I've been supporting it so much because it is everything you said and you know it's more. Um, from where you're standing is you're an expert. Uh, you're, you know the systems in and out and you know I praise you for that uh, and it takes a lot of time to do what you are doing. Um, uh, but with Joshua what you were stating is you know why you know all these other systems can do it. All, all these other systems come close and you know what? I was in your shoes. A year and a half ago, I was in your shoes. You know, I was selling uh, Total Control. I was offering, you know, we worked for Control 4. Uh, you know, we started dabbling into Savant, finding out information about Savant, working with them. And you know what? We wanted a quick solution for programming. We wanted that copy and paste and drag. But that's what it is. It's a copy and paste and drag. It's generic. It, it, it's, it's just, it's basic. It's not offering a solution really for the client. Now, I'm going to say some things, uh, again, in, towards certain manufacturers, and it's, and it's probably going to make me look bad in a sense, but I really want to help you. And I, I'm, I'm sorry that what I'm going to say about these product lines uh, is going to come out harsh uh, or come out where they're going to get offended, but it's the truth, and I apologize, and it could be something I am doing or something my company is doing. Just want to make that clear. Uh, again, with working with brands like Total Control, working with other brands like Control 4 and uh, the integration with other products and I, I, I'm watching what I'm saying so I apologize for the pauses. That's alright. Um, with dealing with third parties, just like dealing with any third party in business or hiring subcontractors, whatever the case is, is you're having, you have a handshaking issue no matter what. When changes are made, now you have to go to two places versus one place to get an answer or to get a fix. Now with Crestron, you go to one company and they'll have the fix for you with the lighting, shading, uh, locks, uh, and so on, uh, with switching audio and the list goes on. Now with Total Control uh, and other brands like that, my company literally went with customer service completely almost plummeted 
and Jeremy and other people I work with and I'm very close with know that I was scared at a point because I was using products that did not work. Um, the service calls were outrageous. The products uh, were failing. Um, you know, like the media service from uh, their companies that they were offering, uh, the processors were locking up. Um, a lot of things were happening and my customers were very upset and I cannot bill my customers for a product that does not work and our company was non-stop on service calls. We were constantly going there to fix antennas for RF interference, moving them. In New York City, it's, it's a cluster of interference um, and it might be different in certain other areas. But I'm just saying out of experience, Josh, that I almost fell to the ground. Like my company almost went to its knees uh, based on customer service because these products were failing and customers were very upset with us. I took a chance and I worked with those companies because I thought it would be easier and more profitable but it actually hurt me and hurt my company and this is from experience. When I went with Crestron, yes it cost a lot more, yes there is a lot more to do, yes it comes with a lot more experience and yes the dollar signs um, that are involved with it it can scare people and it also can scare salesmen to sell it but you know what after dealing with it for a while and living with the system I have to say this and this is the God's honest truth and it's not anything to do with sales or, or money at all Crestron has been the best decision that I have made for a company in a year and a half that it has skyrocketed us in in so many different levels customers are ecstatic service calls are dropped to a minimum or if even any, um, there has been profits and that any company would be amazed by how much profits we increased. We increased 193% as a business for wow. for for last two years uh, marking and it, it's just been amazing what they have done for us and Crestron is customer service, Crestron's products Crestron's, uh, when there's a product that doesn't work, instantaneously gets sold to the customer's house. Um, living with the product, right? And personally living with the product and growing the product from such a small system into such a large system. Now again, I that's my money. I Why would I want to invest in something that doesn't work? I have never done that before. Took so much of my hard-earned money, my personal money, and invested it into a system like what I have in my home. Uh, again, I'm not wealthy. I don't have the budgets my customers have. Uh, I don't have the money that they have. But I did invest it into my home because I am ecstatic by it. The DM switches, taking out a little input card when something new comes out, put a new one in 4K, making those changes where I don't have to buy a whole big piece of equipment. Yeah. With companies like Total Control, Control 4, you have to replace everything. You have to replace all that product when things change. Now, yes, it's cheaper but it's not future proof. It's not going to last forever. Crestron has made their products where you're making little changes and investing a little bit of money into those little output cards or input cards. Same thing goes with Swamp and numerous products that they offer. Uh, it really is a product that when you're investing into it, you're getting every dollar well spent. And to go to sleep at night, not waking up with text messages every morning or emails, saying that out of nowhere while I'm doing other jobs, I need you here, Todd. I don't know what's going on. There's a problem. That hurts me. Not because 
of any reason because I feel like I my ego has been damaged. No, it hurts me because I want to keep these customers forever. I don't want to give my customers away. I really, really value their business. And now with products like Crestron and Blue Bolt, my business has gotten more successful and I am extremely satisfied and my stress levels have completely went down to a minimal. Okay. And that's well, what Crestron offers <laughs> for every dollar. Now, hang, hang oh. on. Let, let, <laughs> let, let me put my two cents in. Um, when I started at uh, the, the college that I, that I uh, previously worked, uh, they were a big, big Extron house. And actually, um, the, we, we had one or two Crestron rooms uh, on our campus. Uh, and a, a guy came into my office who ended up being a, a very good friend of mine. Uh, Kevin Iselli was, was my Crestron rep. Uh, he was the guy who, who he's the guy who sold me on Crestron, honestly. And his his thing and it goes to, to Ronnie's point and goes to, to Todd's point. Uh, one of his big selling points was this. He said, you know, why would you spend a comparable amount of money? Because you know, honestly, at the time, and that's when the, the MPS uh, um, around the time the MPS first came out. Why would you spend uh, roughly the same amount of money and not be able to do certain things, you know? Whether it's Control Four or it's uh, URC or it's you know Aurora, you know all really good companies, but like Ronnie said, there are just so many things that you can do with Crestron that you simply cannot do uh, with some of these other control companies. Uh, I don't have experience with AMX. I've, I've talked about that before. Um, I've gotten some to, to know some folks over there, and I'm trying to learn that just so I can speak more more intelligently about it. Uh, but that's just that's. Crestron is, is who I have I've settled on because that is, it's just so robust and there's just so many things that you can do with it um, that with the other ones that I've had experience with, I simply can't. So, Mr. Stackhouse. Okay. <laughs> well, first of all, that was a lot of feedback. Uh, that was a pretty significant uh, answer uh, variety. So just let me say thank you. Um, let me clarify that the role that I try to play in the social media sphere in our industry is that I try to be the voice of the rookie because that's who I am. You know, if you look at AV Week or maybe a, the AV rant with Tom Andre or the AV shop talk that Jason Griffin and Nate Schneider have started in any other media that's out there or any other blogs, commercial integrator, or any magazines that are out there, there isn't a voice in the media sphere in our industry besides me that I'm aware of for people who are just getting into the industry who are going to have the same kinds of questions that I just asked. And they need to be asked because if the only voice that's out there is the voice of people who just get it, then the people who don't will never be elevated, will never be informed. No, so that's where I come from in asking that question. I certainly have respect for Crestron as a company. I think they're amazing. I drool over some of the specs on their products, and I, I, I do. Um, but I also have to... To, to just you know ask questions like that for, for reasons such as being trying to be the representative voice of the rookie, the guy who just got into the industry who doesn't understand it all. That being said, that being said, I also have to point out though that you know the, the two talking points that I hear repeatedly with Crestron is scalability and and uh, robustness, and that's like that's what it boils down to for everyone. But you have to eventually stop and also acknowledge that you have to ask who your client base is. Not every integrator in the industry is large enough to have clients like Todd who works for, for like football players 
or big universities or big corporations. Some integrators, and probably the majority, not the minority of integrators in our industry, work in the middle of nowhere, like Iowa, where they don't have people who have huge amounts of money, farmers who have to put money into you know, their, their, their combiners and stuff like that rather than their home automation. And so it just depends upon where you're at. If you're a small integrator, you may have to think about buying a PC and not an Apple. And that's the argument that I keep hearing is that Crestron is the Apple. It costs more, but it works just like an Apple. And believe me, I'm, I, 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 the reason I had trouble with this PC today that's sitting in front of me and I'm using my iPad right now, ironically, is because Apple works. Yeah. Um, and I, I get that. I just, you know, I guess I just feel the need to point that out. And the way I was coming from with all that was that on the residential side, and Todd can understand this, we typically have to work within a budget. And if you're working with new construction homes, the rest of the contractors, the HVAC guys, the plumbers, the interior designers, they all see us as threats. They think that we're going to take money out of their budget. And so having a product in your lineup that costs less money makes you less of a threat. And if you can actually give them more, better AV gear, better amplification, better speakers, and other things like that, I would rather do that uh, then I would give them something, you know, when, when URC, for, as an example, could give them 90% of what Crestron could, I would rather do that and put them with better AV gear in their home than I would to try to put all the money into the automation and then give them crappy AV gear for their daily use. So there's just so many <clears throat> points that kind of stimulated me to, to, to putting this out there. Um, it's, it, it, Joshua, I wanted to address something you mentioned there about the people in the rural communities and, you know, why would somebody in a rural community that's maybe a farmer, for example, as, as you mentioned, where they're concerned about their combiners, why would they benefit from Crestron versus, let's say, URC or Control 4? Um, I have an organic garden. I'm an urban gardener. Um, wish I had more land. I'd like to have an apiary raised bees. But I have possums that like to eat my strawberries. And so to get rid of this problem, I won't use chemicals, pesticides, or poisons in my garden. It's organic. That's what it means. And so what I did was I connected motion sensors to my Crestron system and connected my Crestron system to my irrigation. So whenever possums enter my yard, the motion sensors pick them up and scare them off by turning on the sprinklers. And so green solutions like that, using moisture sensors, a weather station, allows me to manage my garden. I, my garden automatically adjusts for the amount of rainfall that I'm getting, and I don't have to go out and stop the sprinklers. So this is, again, another reason why I like Crestron. Um, but before we go off, I didn't want to leave uh, Todd's beautiful audio untouched. Todd did something in audio that I thought should be mentioned and pointed out. I'm an audio geek. I can't help it. Um, Normally, I don't have much good to say about ceiling speakers. When I'm looking at a display on the wall, I don't want to hear sound coming from up above. It's disorienting. Um, most ceiling speakers have tin can back boxes and sound like the music's coming out of a soup can because it is. However, <laughs> yeah. I, I noticed that Todd's Home selected the Paradigm ceiling speaker. And I thought I would point out that the Paradigm back boxes are MDF. Now, MDF isn't my favorite material. It's my second favorite. But soup cans are my least favorite. I think they're the worst sounding back box in the world. They ring at every volume. If you look at how a driver works, it pushes sound out towards the audience, which is where we want it. But some sound goes back into the box and dings off of a tin can. And it bounces around in there and hits the driver again. And even worse when they're symmetrical. 
if you look at the paradigm back boxes, they're asymmetrical and fiberboard. So the paradigm product, although it's not the most expensive, is an excellent choice. And I can only imagine that the audio there is actually pretty delightful considering that they're ceiling speakers. And I don't think in our industry there's enough audio understanding. I think 90% of the people don't understand basic physics. It's really, audio is very simple. It's physics and geometry, nothing else. Yeah. But so few people in the industry take the time to study either and then correlate it to sound that it's a rare and refreshing thing when I see somebody who's chosen a system that actually works in harmony with the basic laws of physics. And so I commend you for that, Todd. I didn't get a chance to do that earlier. Thank you so much. That, that's a huge compliment coming from you. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I basically treat audio... I, I'm, I was a musician. I played guitar, and that's why I'm so passionate about audio is I want everything to sound like it was coming from live experiences. Um, and I know what that sounds like coming from a studio atmosphere to a live atmosphere. And that's what I try to bring into every project. And, you know, sometimes you only could work with what the designer uh, tells you what you could work with. And fortunately, you know, the customer was very passionate about, listen, you know, we want better speakers. I don't want small speakers that sounds like too tinny, like you were saying, or I don't want this, I don't want that. And we had the customer in our corner, uh, but also the designer wanted something a little more aesthetically pleasing. And Paradigm was perfect for that solution. Yeah. All right. Uh, we are about out of time real quickly. Uh, I'll put the uh, link up on the, uh, on the show notes. Uh, if you are creative in any way, shape, or form, um, I think I might have my seven-year-old draw something for this. Uh, you can design the Infocom 14 T-shirt. Yay. Uh, if you win, uh, <laughs> you can get 50 free T-shirts. And, hey, you can stay two nights at the LVH Hotel. Uh, which used to be the Hilton, uh, which is the hotel connected to the Las Vegas con uh, Convention Center. So, uh, we'll, like I said, we'll, we'll put a link up on the website, uh, and you can you can check that out if you are so inclined. Thank you all three of you so much for for joining us, Ronnie and Spang. Ronnie is uh, is an AV programmer extraordinaire. Thank you, ma'am, so much for joining us. It's always an honor to be invited here. Uh, where can people find you if if you'd like? Is it is or, or do they, you not want them to find you? <laughs> well, it depends. If I owe you money, uh, disregard the next part. <laughs> if you owe me money, you can find me at Ronnie at scanview.net is my email. Um, or on LinkedIn, uh, Ronnie Spang CTS is my LinkedIn. Uh, or my cell, 562-756-4586. Uh, but if I owe you money, forget that. Um, <laughs> she doesn't exist. Yeah, and if you have a recommendation or something nice to say, please share it. If you're disappointed with me for some reason, no need to do anything. Understood. Uh, Josh uh, Stackhouse is from AMS, sir. Where can people find you? Uh, pretty much type in Stackhouse AV into Google, and uh, that's me. I'm right. pretty consistent on the Internet. Uh, and uh, you can find me more often than not on Twitter with uh, the handle, same handle, Stackhouse AV. All right. Uh, and last but not least, Mr. Stott, Todd Anthony Puma from the Source Home Theater. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Appreciate you having me on the show today. Absolutely. And where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at www.thesourcehometheater.com or on Twitter at, uh, I don't even know my Twitter handle, actually. <laughs> so, it's Todd Anthony Puma. There, 
It's the oh, longest handle on all of the internet, I think. No, Adrian Boyd did. His is the AV uh, uh, AV cat guy, I think. So, and he has underscores. Oh, well, thank you, Joshua. For, uh, <laughs> so it's for Todd Anthony. Sorry, I didn't know the handle. There you go. You gotta look out for my red brand brother. <laughs> oh yeah, and you can find thank both you, of those gentlemen on on the red band on on AV Shout. So. All right, uh, my name is Tom Albright. Don't follow me on Twitter, but go by the website if you would, please. The fine folks that uh, put it together uh, did an awfully good job. Avnation.tv, avnation.tv, you'll find this program and a host of others. Uh, we'll be posting a brand new uh, State of Control, which is our control and automation uh, show with uh, Steve Greenblatt and Rich, um, Rich Fragoza. We have a new uh, uh, marketing and social media show called AV Social coming, uh, the new episode of that coming out. Live Life, uh, the Ed Tech Show, and a host of others. So, yeah, go by the website if you would, please. Oh, and next week uh, we have a brand-new show um, premiering um, with a couple uh, crazy gentlemen. I think it's the it's the show with the best hair uh, in the AV industry. Um, yeah, I'll just say that. Uh, it's about AV apps. So uh, they'll, they'll be do, reviewing some, some apps for the AV industry. So check that out if you would, please. Avnation.tv. AVNation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. That's all the time we have for AV Week.